And hello everyone, welcome to the Puckish Podcast, P-U-C-K-I-S-H. Um, today we have uh, something of a different episode. Um, today we wanted to talk about, this is a new segment we want to explore, talking about concepts that we haven't really explored on our own and we are bringing in a guest to help Someone us way talk smarter about than it. us, by the way. Someone way, way smarter. <laughs> yeah, this guy, way smarter than us. So, so he knows what he's talking guys. about. <laughs> yeah, and, really uh, and so today with us we have Nigel and also hey. our guest Prav, who we have um I've worked together with him before personally and he's a freelance creative strategist. And I'll leave the rest for him to introduce himself. Hey everyone, th- hey, thanks guys for having me on to on your podcast. So no problem, YJ has been uh telling me about this for a while and it's, <laughs> I mean we worked on various other productions and all and so this is the first time that I get to work on uh He's something baby. together, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. That's and, a nice uh, way to put it. So it's nice to see, you know, what, how you operate when you have like full creative autonomy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it something a bit scarier? Speaking, you, are you, you seem to be speaking from experience, right? You, yeah, you well, have I mean, like, your own baby as well. I oh yeah, you. I mean, I do, I do have, uh, I, I do have a few things that I work on. So that, that's why it's very hard when someone asks me to introduce myself. So like, what me and. YJ, for example, that worked on is another channel called The Straitsman. Oh, so that's okay. a men's lifestyle channel that yeah. uh, I was involved in from like, I think 2017. Yeah, you were involved in for quite a while. Quite a while. Quite a while, yeah. And then there's like my own stuff that I try to churn out on social media, but mostly it's centered around uh, ideas around marketing, uh, how yeah. we, and creative strategy. So like, I think branding, for example, is a very powerful tool. And yeah, uh, and what we try to bridge in is that gap between, you know, how much of this is uh, art versus how much of this is science. Like, what, are there any real, like, mm. principles that, you know, general things that can apply to all of us? So, with that, I've also, you know, because I of uh, this experience around social media marketing, I also do a lot of uh, front-of-camera work. So, mm. I've, I act on a few social media channels like Tropic Monsters. So, uh, Straits Men also is an example. And I now currently mostly involved in a podcast called Inconsiderate Insights. So we try to like talk to a lot of creative professionals yep. uh, across Singapore. We had a PR guy earlier this week. So Nigel and YJ, I think I can formally say that we can invite you on board. Uh, <laughs> sure, thank you, thank you for... Yeah, our audio will be very good uh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And, and yeah, thanks for the introduction. And today, so the concept we'll be talking about today will be about the skill stacking concept. Um, so briefly, you would, how are, how would you describe it, Pravin, the skill stack? Right. So the skill stack, I think it actually comes from an engineering term. Like, you know, like we always talk about full stack developers and, you know, that right. means like they're yeah. across like a huge spectrum of skills. Yeah. Uh, but the, the term skill stack was introduced and popularized by uh, the cartoonist Scott Adams. So he's the guy that came up with Dilbert. Are you all familiar with Dilbert? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the Dilbert I remember guy. reading it on <laughs> newspapers and stuff like that, right? I think. Yeah. So he was actually an engineer by trade. Uh, right. I think he worked for Bell Labs or something like the, you know, the telephone company and tech company in the US. Okay. This is very early on. So how did an engineer become a cartoonist? Mm. He explained it using the idea of a skill stack. And he broke it down to a very simple principle. He said that every skill you learn doubles your probability of success. So it's just a very simple thing. So every new skill you acquire can double your probability of success. And uh, the biggest example that he pointed to was someone like Donald Trump. 
So if you know interesting this, example, interesting yeah, example. Let's jump straight into the juicy ones, right? <laughs> so for him, he he spoke like, okay, I'm an engineer, and he managed to you know have a bit of drawing skills, a bit of cartoonist skills, and then that slowly improved his craft. So that yeah, same right. as a cartoonist was Scott Adams. He said that even learning things like business writing, yeah, helped him to be a better comedy writer, because he realized there's a connection between comedy and business writing in that. They tend to be very concise and precise with their words. I I remember he said something like he has very mediocre skills. That's very I don't know. He is he selling himself short there? I don't know. No, but I what? think that's a very powerful idea. What he's saying is instead of being like the top ninety five percentile of that one field, like you want to be a the ninety five percentile basketballer, it's better yeah. that you know you just are in the top eighty percent of ah, okay, of okay. a few different things. And what happens is you have this. Right mix of skills that will allow you to have a very unique perspective on things. So that's helped me in my career. Uh, that's helped, like what I mentioned about Trump. So I mean, you think about it. What Trump did was he combined branding, he combined a little bit of copywriting, because yeah. he could come up with a slogan like "Make America Great Again." Yeah, yeah. And some people, it's arguable. Actually, it's arguable that Roger Stone did it, but but right, right. Fair sure. Enough. But it also involves also a design sense. Yeah, because the very simple white on yeah. red uh, cap, and you know it's still very iconic. Uh, it requires ability to public speak. Yeah, he's got yeah. that in his skill set. He's got humor, definitely. Uh, he's got an <laughs> knowledge on uh, not just social media but traditional media, right? Because yeah. right. he was a media guy, yeah. and so he is this unique combination of skills that allowed him to just dominate the presidency. Yeah, yeah like the, the speaking, even speaking about Donald Trump, like. Um, I remember when he was first elected, or even now, like people were talking about how, how would could they allow a reality TV star to be um, to be a president? But right. you can see from being in front of the camera, you kind of have you need a different, you need a lot of different skill sets, which also relate to being a president. Like like you mentioned, like public speaking, that charisma, yeah. how being able to act in front of the camera, because yep. people usually see the presidents in front of in in the TV on TV. Yes. You know, and, you know, there's a skill. Yeah, there's a skill in 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 making yourself sound like you don't know much in front of experts, but then you manage to convey your message to to the masses. I thought I thought that was brilliant, lah, of him, because people yeah. think that he's a he's a terrible communicator, but he's excellent with his audience, right? Right, and you know, that's not very far off from even Singapore, you know. So there's something that uh, a friend of mine, he was an Air Force officer, and when he came came in. I think his superior officers had circulated like an internal memo, and it was written by Lee Kuan Yew, oh. saying that when you write, uh, use, uh, let me see, what did what did he say? Uh? He said write at the P five English standard. Mm. So you have to use very simple and concise terms so that people can understand you. So write in a primary right. five English standard, mm. and it, because it's all about uh being understood. Yeah, like, especially being understood by the masses, also. Yeah, like I, I remember reading somewhere that about the um, about how ideas work. So ideas are actually viral, and to become viral, you need, it needs to be as simple as possible. Yes, making a concept as simple as possible turns it into a viral idea, and that's how like we see all these slogans happen, like MAGA, Make America Great Again. Yes. Like the ideas we have are very simple in our head, but it sticks to us. And we tell everyone about it, like the skill stack. Is yep. you you imagine you you know like stacking skills, like it's literally that in your head. You visualize it, and I think that's where the power of like language and that whole primary five and, writing. And now these two comes in. two words are just stuck in your head. 
If someone yeah, told yeah. you like, oh, be a generalist or whatever, you wouldn't have <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that impact. But once you hear skill stack, you're like, wow, okay, that uh, makes sense. So maybe I'll give you some context from like my own career. Yeah, because uh, even by a lot of Singaporean standards, it, it's very weird and confusing to a lot of people because uh, it doesn't follow the very linear path. Mm. And I think the way the world is going, we uh, and especially as creatives, creatives are the first to know that yeah, it's not enough for me to know a bit of sound engineering. I need to know a bit of video editing. I need yeah. to know a bit of uh, motion graphics. And right. it's, you know, how you combine it all together. So uh, in my experience, I was in uh, business school. So I actually studied finance. But the thing is, I knew that I was really an odd fit for the school. I, was just, I wasn't really very passionate about it. Uh, why study in the first place? I, I think, right, like I, I'm, I've, I've thought about it a few times. And you know, I want to say like, oh, no, I was pressured my parents or something but that's not really the case i think the case was i didn't know what i wanted to do uh, and i was like all right i might as well just study this anyway right yeah. you feel like it was a safe um path Option, to go on yeah. in a in a lot of ways yeah mm. i back then uh before i went to uni i actually worked on a startup with my friends and okay. i eventually the the startup we had to bring it to a close uh, mm-hmm. Because just internally uh, as a management, you ran into problems, right. but it was a it was a good experience, right? Like right. you you know you you've got this entrepreneurial experience. Then you go to business school after that, and you realize, oh shit, everything is bullshit. <laughs> you actually got real world experience, and then you realize yeah. that oh, this theory is you can't bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. But uh, so it was it was a bit of a safe choice. I definitely would think so. But it was mostly also that I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I just. So, yeah. okay. That's the case for a lot of Singaporean youth. Yeah. yeah. And which is why maybe a, a podcast like this can be really beneficial because we can yeah. offer a different perspective on how to navigate yeah. things. That's true. You know, That's true. Like even a concept like skill stacking and all of that. And yeah. I remember when I was in uni, like there, so like even in finance, right, there's like uh, two branches of it, broad branches. Like one is like the people who want to be like analysts. So they want to sit in the back office of a bank, they're not client facing. They, you know, mm-hmm. they put together reports, things of that sort. And then there's, of course, the, the traditional banker types that you see, which now we associate with like private bankers, insurance salesmen, financial yeah. planners, all that bullshit. And they are the ones that, you know, are, are salesmen, basically. Yeah. yeah. And so I remember that I, one of the, the things that I first added into my skill stack was public speaking. Right. And back then, uh, it was just a random thing. Like I just saw these people promoting it. And I remember like a primary school teacher mentioning this Toastmasters club, like when I was in primary school. And then oh. I was like, yeah, oh yeah, that's the thing. Maybe I should check it out. Mm. So I went into it and I realized, wow, it's really a very good environment. I, I've yeah. learned a very powerful skill. But one thing I recall, right, is that when we would go around to the school and promote it to people and say, hey, why don't you join this public speaking club? People would explicitly tell me, oh, I want to be an analyst. I want to be a quant. So a quant is like quantitative yeah. analyst. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, for that, I don't need to talk to people after that. They actually will tell you that after the interview, I don't need to talk to people anymore. <laughs> this was so, in university. This was in university. So wow. there are people that really want to pigeonhole themselves. So likewise, when I graduated, I knew that I wasn't going to pursue banking. Right. I knew that it wasn't my, my interest. What I did was I, now there's a whole new avenue open to me because complementing my my banking degree, I had uh, public speaking under my belt. And I was like confident. And then everyone, once you have that skill, you're like, hey, you should, you should go into sales, man. 
you, you would like sales. <laughs> so I did. I was an account manager for this e-commerce company. It was called Quandu. It was a rival oh. to Choke. To Choke. Okay. You know Choke, the yeah. reservation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Heard, yeah. Heard, I, remember, I remember the name. And I, wait, wait, I did, did it die? Did it die? I think <laughs> it's dead, man. Like, oh, okay. I, I, I I, I, it's been a few years. So I, 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 I remember being there and thinking, I didn't believe in the product. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's when I realized something about sales. It's not for me. Like, mm. um, I can't sell something that I don't believe in. Yeah. So even then, then something else was added to the skill stack. This is a very interesting time where uh, a friend of mine, he was a graphic designer. And I'd worked with him way, way before I even went to uni in my first startup. Mm. And he came to me and was like, hey, dude, me and my wife are starting up a company, a chicken rice company. And this is the branding that we're going to do. And I was like, dude, you came to, to me at the right point in my life because this is what I do. I sell F&D marketing and I can tell you what doesn't work. Ah, uh, right? yes, yes. You know, because we, of your experience. Yeah. And so what we did was, and so I'm an outsider, you know, I'm a, a banker and I was an account manager at the time. Yeah. And maybe I've got like public speaking under my belt. And I was telling him like, dude, maybe you should uh, aim for, you know, uh, some viral videos. We came up with very attractive branding. So like right. we would, we would make a parody of a Kanye West music video as a promotional video for the chicken rice. And it went viral. So we had local influencers coming and saying, we want to work with you for free. Oh, wow. wow. And, and then I was like, oh shit. Like, and this was my first foray into marketing. I was influenced by a lot of people like Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm-hmm. This yeah. was in 2017. Mm-hmm. And he was like starting to break into the mainstream yeah. I think back then and I was like, yeah, content, man, content strategy and this is the way to go. We should all have yeah. podcasts. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. uh, and then I went into that and then, so it's also like trial by, by fire. Like I know prior experience and right. then eventually you learn to turn it into an advantage because one thing you realize that all the other marketing grads, when they're coming to you, they're not talking about creative. They're talking about analytics. They're talking about numbers. Mm, right. And uh, so coupled with like that, like, you know what you mentioned, right? Like, uh, how Scott Adams said that he's not that great uh, a, a cartoonist or yeah. something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Likewise, yeah. I wasn't that great a banker. Like, I had basic financial knowledge. Like, you know, I did okay for my exams. I didn't, wasn't like an A student or anything. Yeah. And uh, so, I, you know, but enough for you to know that, okay, this wouldn't make sense financially if you're SME. You know, like, mm-hmm. why, why spend so yeah. much on a marketing budget? Like, uh, it's better for you to, you know, hold up a camera and do it yourself instead of paying some agency right. and yeah. the volume of things. So you double down on what you're, you're good at. So in that three years since, uh, I've explored a lot more of the creative field. So that's when I started pulling in uh, things into creative strategy. And mm-hmm. that's when the skill set really comes to play because creative strategy is such a wide field yeah. that you really have to bring in so many weird different pieces of knowledge. Like you learn a bit of graphic design, you learn a bit of this, you learn a bit of of uh, that, then that's when the public speaking part comes to play. That's when, and so for example, then the public speaking part and the marketing part came together in a very unique mix that mm. allowed me to fall in the radar of uh, my friends who did uh, social media companies like Tropic Monsters. So they're right. like, you know, very SGAG style content, very yeah. NOC style content. And then from there, like, uh, so that got into the radar of Lionel from Streetsman, uh, YJ. <laughs> and then he was like, Oh, you do social media marketing. I'm coming up with a channel. Can you can you come on board and be a writer here? Because uh, we need. He said we needed a young person's perspective. Okay, I just want to stop you right there, right? Because you you mentioned you mentioned that um, you know you mentioned all these people that came into your life in in such a you know in such a unique way, right? Did did public speaking sort of help you 
open these channels? Like it seemed yeah. like it was so important for you to you know meet all these people. Like how did it? How did it? How did it play a part? I would definitely say so because um, people would not believe this now because in my in my university I very quickly became a very prolif- like proficient public speaker right. within my, my university and uh, prior to that I remember telling some of my peers hey you know I might want to consider joining this and they openly told me like really I don't see you doing that <laughs> at all mm. so there, there's a lot of uh, you know uh, surprises that can come along the way. And what happened was after I I joined the public speaking thing and I I be, actually became president of the university club because I was okay. really very involved in it and I and I believed in that the power of of the public speaking thing and one thing that I can point out to you right is so they break it up into projects it's like ten different projects where someone goes up and he gives like a few minute speech for each project mm-hmm. the first time someone goes up he completely has like a panic attack. He stutters his way through. Oh like no! He can't even form a single sentence. Usually, that's the case. Right. But interestingly enough, by the second speech, right, the guy is flawless. Like there's not even a pause filler. Like um, uh, nothing like that. Oh wow! So it's once that psychological barrier is overcome, right? Uh, people become really comfortable in front of the crowd. And mm. what I would say is, what happens is they hit a plateau by the third or fourth project, right. and then they're so comfortable. That because they know that, like the skill set, that they are slightly better than everyone else in the population. They are not the best, mm. but they are good enough that in any workplace they are likely the best people already. Mm. Oh. So that alone will get you the attention of your bosses, your peers. Uh, you'll help you in sales. You'll help you in a marketing uh, presentation. You know, even if you're an accountant and you're uh, pushing reports out, it will definitely help you. So it's one of those things that really was very transformative, and I still maintain that it's quite. A transformative thing. Yeah, like one thing you mentioned also in that was that there was there were people you you mentioned that you encountered that didn't want to get out of their pigeonhole. They wanted to kind of stay in their lane, stay in their um their narrow field or their field. Um, what why why do you think that is? And because for me, like I'm thinking that would be such a boring thing to do. Like you just stick to one thing for right. the longest time. Um, right. Why, why do you think that? <laughs> so, I mean, there is an element of also risk aversion uh, yeah. that I will believe. And so, like another thing that also has led me into answering these questions is, so as a creative strategist, what I have found that really helped me is the last few years, I've studied a lot of psychology in the sense of a psychotherapeutic angle. So, right. uh, like there are even uh, people that we've spoken to before, uh, YJ, like David Tien, Yep. So he's a yep. he's a local. Uh, I mean, he's not a local anymore. He international. he's a international uh, relationship coach, yep. and he was a previously an NUS professor, and so he puts out a lot of material and courses on uh, human psychology. So, like, there is a psychological angle to it, like a risk aversion, like where you go there and then, like you know, you feel really insecure in front of a crowd because it's judgment and. Yeah. Uh, and you know it's it's uh it triggers a lot of old insecurities. Is it a Singaporean thing? I would say that Singapore does really play a major part, yeah. Uh, in keeping people from standing out, mm. uh, it's a bit a bit of a shame based culture. So one thing that I remember is so strange that it's very vivid in my head, like when we had like this public speaking things. So people will come in as guests, right? Mm. And then they pass a the microphone around, and then the person will introduce themselves, and. 
So the question for the day was, you introduce yourself, like, hi, I'm YJ, I'm this, is this. And you would say, if you were a company, what company would you be? And I still remember this girl came there. She took the microphone. She said, hi, I'm so-and-so. And if I was a company, I'll be Samsung because I'm not cool enough to be Apple. Lah. <laughs> Ouch. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's a very self-deprecating stuff. Right, and right. As a culture, we, you know, we, we maybe don't encourage people to stand out. Uh, yeah, definitely. No. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. I think I think confidence is a is a is a skill set. It's not a trait because yeah. it's something you need to continuously hone. Yeah. So you know, uh, like for me for example, right? I I think doing this podcast actually helps me to voice out uh my my opinions more. It allows me to to work and edit myself as I'm talking and you know, this actually builds my confidence and I I I I took it for granted lah basically because Previously, it was like confidence. I thought it was something that you just have mm-hmm. and something that you maybe can pluck along the way. But it's something that you have to consi- consistently look at. Right. And and what what you said really resonated. Like, okay, okay, Nigel, that's very interesting that you brought the issue of confidence because uh, David, uh, I've studied David's stuff mm. and he doesn't put it in uh, these terms. He doesn't use the term skill stack at all. I'm not even sure if he's aware of it. But <laughs> what he has is his, you know, just stumbled on it in his own way. Right, yeah. so his job is to help men with their relationships and their dating and all that. Mm. He actually put together a skill set for them, whether or not he right. realizes it, because he says that ultimately, uh, if you're a guy coming in, I think there's a few things he attributes like you must do: go get a stylist, right? Go and learn from a stylist on how to, uh, you know, address appropriate for your body type, how to, to go out in yourself. a professional setting, right? And then the the second thing that he talks about is a stylist. He says go for method acting classes, right? Why? <laughs> Interesting, right? Because you essentially when you're going on dating, you're putting on the role of a seductive character. Oh, okay. Right? In a certain sense. Mm. And then there's a, then you, because you're talking about confidence. So it's to re- realize that, okay, how, why come when I mean, I'm trying to talk to a girl, my shoulder is twitching like that. So <laughs> acting will teach you like, okay, there's a lot of tension here. You know, it's relaxation to be more aware of your body. Another thing he attributed was like, uh, learn comedy improv. Because okay. guys, when they're having conversation, they're jamming in their heads, right? Like, uh, what do I say? I don't want to say that. So there are all these feels that actually yeah. help you, uh, you know, feel confident enough when you go out there because they're all skill sets. So, okay, I'll give you two of my favorite examples from a different field about how this would work in terms of confidence. Number one is Kobe Bryant. Right. So Kobe Bryant was a basketballer who I mean, one of the best basketballers he've had until he passed away this year. Yeah. And uh, he had an injury where he injured his ankle during mm. the NBA. And he was like, shit, how am I going to come back with this injury? I think like, he tore his, his ligament or something, right? I think he tore his ligament. I'm, I know it's something around his ankle. Right. But mm. I, I, I'm not, but it might have been a ligament so, there. The injury, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you recall exactly what the injury yeah, was? Yeah, I think so. It was an ankle, ankle ligament, I think, if I'm not wrong, yeah. So a lot of people are speculating that it's a career-ending uh, yeah. injury. But not many people know what he did before he came back. So he was like, okay, I need to strengthen my ankles for my mobility. Mm. So this giant of a basketball player went to pick up cap dancing. Ah. <laughs> right? And so now he becomes acutely aware of his ankle movements, his feet placement, and he came back to the NBA even more well-balanced than he was before the injury. 
because he added as a basketballer, he added tap dancing into his skill stack. Right, right, right. So that that's little, a phenomenal little known fact. I didn't know about this. Oh my god! <laughs> like when I found out, I was like, "Wow!" Because that's the power of like like what YJ mentioned earlier about once you have a a simple concept in your head, then you start to connect the dots very yeah, easily right. when you hear someone else. The second one is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So he was like a what? How many times? Three times or five times? Mr. Olympia yeah, yeah. Uh, winner, and you know he was like the defining bodybuilder. You know what he went to learn? Apart from, I mean, apart from already working out as a bodybuilder, this ballet was it? Ballet, ballet. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I see. I've seen. I've seen a picture of him, in like a, posing, yeah. right? <laughs> and why? Because he knew that at the tournament, I would need to pose better than anyone right. else. So go and learn from the best posers on the planet. Exactly, right. ballet. And that's why he, he was, you know, like when he's flexing his arms and all that, it's he's incorporated ballet into bodybuilding. Nice. So oh. there is that element of fear, YJ, where you spoke about earlier when the person, you know, they, are, they want to come out, they want to explore other things, but it's at a disadvantage because mm. they, are, they are not adding things that are very natural to them that would allow them to excel in the best possible way for their careers. So maybe for that guy, he's, uh, he says, okay, I want to be a tech guy. I don't want to be... Uh, I'm not interested in uh, public speaking. Fine. But maybe he's interested in StarCraft, right? Or maybe yeah. he's interested... I actually have a friend who is so obsessed with K-pop. So what he did was he started putting in like uh, a kind of predictive model into Excel, right? To predict who would be the K-pop finalist for this particular elimination show. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, like, I would say that there are many avenues for you to kind of like just sink your teeth into right. and uh, the, just trust your natural instinct because in Singapore, unfortunately, we are told to only study the things that, uh, you know, are practical or would yep. help us in our careers, yep. which is a waste because we wouldn't think of things like tap dancing. We wouldn't yeah. think of ballet. Like that we wouldn't think how these all connect together to making you better at your job mm. or, or rather, you know, a more fulfilling life. Uh. Yeah, I mean, even speaking about education, like, so me and Nigel, we, Nigel and I, we went to a course in poly, mass comm, mass communication. And I remember, so I did well enough to get into that course. And that also gave me other options to choose different courses like um, business or optometry, accountancy. So I could go to those courses. But I felt at that time, I didn't really want to tie myself down to a certain field of study and the reason why I chose MassCom was that because I felt that it would be able to be flexible enough for me to work in different industries because all industries needed uh, communications right and that was one of the main factors of why I chose to join that and I think a lot of during when we were selecting the courses a lot of my schoolmates or my peers wondering like kept asking me what are you going to do with MassCom and I'm thinking I because everyone's thinking engineering, I can work here. Um, accountancy, I can work in accountancy. Like these kinds of um, thought. But when I answered them, say, I said like, I could work in any company. And and they found it weird. And I also found it weird because it wasn't what we were brought up to think. It wasn't what we were taught to do. As in you found it weird because like they were making you doubt yourself or like why, why did I, you find it weird? I found it weird because they thought that way. That why, why did they want to tie themselves down uh, as an accountant like right. I get a diploma in accountancy I am an accountant like for me like I could work in an accountant accountancy industry 
as a marketer, as a communicator, I could experience so many different things through communication, but as an accountant, it's a bit harder. Okay, I guess accountants you can, but as an engineer or different things, like it's harder to expose yourself to different industries, yeah. I would say. Um, although you definitely can. Um, but I think that was my first experience with that whole um, skill stack or that being able to move around and try different things, which was something I always wanted to do. Mm. And I think confidence and uh, education definitely play a part. I remember reading um, this book in uni, which resonated a lot with me. It was a book called Quiet, about how um, extroverts... The world of introverts, right? Yeah, the world of introverts, correct. And I resonated because I kind of see myself as a bit of an introvert as well. But then she wrote about... One profile was about this professor. Uh, it was a top university and... These lectures would be the most entertaining, the most exciting type of lectures, mm. educational. But you could rarely reach him personally. He would only see you for his office hour, which was like one, he gave enough time to each student, but it was just enough. The rest of the times he wanted to be secluded. He wanted to be right. um, this like and that. Recharged. Yeah, recharged. And I know that that brought me back to the whole confidence thing. Like, am I, is it because I'm not, confident or is it because I'm just I don't know how to be confident because like Nigel mm. mentioned like confidence is a skill mm. same as like um, being an introvert you can kind of uh, make it a skill uh, being an extrovert you can make it a skill so that's why I also thought of putting myself out there through this podcast because I wanted to make um, being extrovert or speaking more a skill that I wanted to yeah. hone right. um, if not I would always be that I will always default to being an introvert, which is just behind the computer, behind the camera, and definitely feel like you have to learn different skills to force yourself to do different things and be different things at different yeah. times. I mean, what 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 is it about other countries, right? That, for example, US that allows that their their individuals to be so creative, and you know, why can't we? Why can't we replicate that here? Okay. Is there, is mean, there a change? I don't know. I think, I think you, you probably already know the answer and that, that, that is a culture that is more welcoming to failure and mm. risk-taking. Like, you can't have risk-taking without failure. And in Singapore, unfortunately, uh, we, we aren't very comfortable with failure. Right. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I would definitely. think so. Yeah. Like, like, like uh, and you know, any, anyone who tries to do a venture, any entrepreneur, they'll tell you that it's never the first venture that takes off you, you know, it's a million tries you know, before something uh, takes off and it's a lot of experimentation. So I think the sooner that we do become comfortable like, and we do explore other things, like other uh, skills, like you know, what you described, you know, as an introvert, yeah. I'm still want to try this. Then you know, we will have at least a bit of a better culture of risk-taking, uh, I would say, and learning to you know, go out there and, and put ourselves out there. Yeah. But I think mm. there's, there is quite a... Uh, a bit of psychological work like i've known people who uh, even myself like i would i i would hate the idea of you know picking up the phone and doing a sales call i'll procrastinate on it and it's, it's a strange thing right why why am i so afraid of just picking up the phone and talking yeah. to dialing a stranger and doing a cold yeah. call but that's that and you know it largely stems from uh something that happened in my childhood something traumatic and the one thing we understand about like childhood trauma is that it can happen in anything because mm. as a child our ability to understand the world is so limited so if, if we cry and our parents don't pick us up the child feels abandoned abandoned 
And then he decides mm-hmm. that, okay, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to cut off this part of myself. Right. So right. That, that's, uh, and that, that stems from trauma. And then, you know, Detachment like, is so much easier actually to do yeah. that. I mean, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. For, for you, right, you, you talk about how, um, you know, you, you developed a, a, a knowledge of accounting and then you, you, you got acquired the skill of uh, public speaking, right? What was the, maybe most recent or most, yeah, what was the most recent sort of skill that you, you stacked on? Wow, okay, this is quite interesting. Um, so I actually went into this circuit breaker right, in a very fortunate uh, way. Like, like, I think a lot of people are struggling, but I, I, I went into it really with, with a, a peace of mind. And I was like, okay, this is a time for me to learn things and, <laughs> and you know, just uh, uh, take a step back. So initially at the start of the year, this might sound really nuts. Let me see if I can pull it up. Okay, I have it right here. Right? Okay, I, uh, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm a very rational, scientific person. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, you know, maybe a, a skill set right, would tend to gain if you do something very opposite from your character. Like what you just mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, if you're an introvert, go and learn something or do a podcast, something to put yourself out there, right? Yep, yep. And then that opens up so many more avenues. So I was like, okay, what's the most opposite thing of uh, a scientifically minded person mm. and then I was like I, I saw this online and I was like okay I'm going to do it I learned tarot cards <laughs> oh wow right <laughs> I actually paid for a course uh, and I think this is February because it was right before the circuit breaker where <laughs> right. I I just did tarot card reading and I realized that okay you know what maybe I was very dismissive or judgmental about it in the past because I realized there's a lot of people that subscribe to it and, you know, previously, I, I was like, no, man, this is, this is bullshit. Like, it's utter rubbish, right? <laughs> and uh, then I realized that either way, in a professional capacity, as a strategist or whatever, even as a human being, you want to be able to engage people on and speak their language. Yeah. And so, this, and on a very practical note, once I put this up on my Instagram stories, a lot of girls were DMing, uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> because this Don't- is... <laughs> they are cracked like this is exactly wow, what I was like, wow. yeah. and, and I was like what like who are these girls that I wasn't talking to before and then now they're like hey want to meet for coffee like can you do a tarot reading like so, oh man you found the keys man yeah. the key I found the yeah. key like, you know, I can tell David no need la, method acting and all that yeah. tarot cut tarot, tarot cut yep. you heard it here first guys exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, but this was also a bit tragic because I was looking forward to doing this a long time and then right before the circuit breaker, I, I signed up for it. I was about two weeks in, then COVID hit and the circuit breaker yeah. hit. And that was uh, method acting. So I actually went to an acting oh, school. Wow. And I was like, you know, I really wanted to do this for the longest time. Maybe now I'm like finally going to put myself out there. And I did. And then eventually, imagine going for acting classes through Zoom. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wait, uh, can, can you, can uh, you how tell us how, how, yeah. the, how does uh, method acting uh, differ from like normal normal acting like what but it is a very good question man uh, I can't tell, say that I really had an idea of it before I went in but once I did I was like wow it's really quite informative so the idea about method acting is that eventually every actor will come out having their own method so mm. if you go through it YJ you will have the YJ method you will have the yeah. Nigel method yeah. and uh, so when actors say that oh actually I don't have a method uh, it means that they have a method, they just don't even know about it. It's how you mm. prep yourself before you oh. go in. And the interesting thing about it is, what you're doing is, uh, there's a very nice definition of acting that my, my teacher introduced to me. And he said that 
acting is behaving honestly under imagined circumstances. Right? It sounds crazy, right? So like, how do you behave honestly in a situation that seems a bit foreign? So you're not really yeah. like, you know, not media cop style, lah, like overacting or what. What they do is... It, shit, it, throwing shit. Yeah, throwing shit. <laughs> la, but it is what it is. Yeah, it is, it is. <laughs> so like, okay, imagine this like, okay, you're an actor and mm. you're playing Batman, right? And mm. you've never seen your parents gunned down in the street before. Mm. Yeah. So when you run there, right, and then you see that, there's no real memory for you to draw from. Right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but what you can do is, you probably have something similar in terms of feeling that loss. Maybe you had a precious childhood toy that you walked in one day and it was shattered on the ground. Right? Mm. Or maybe you saw a pet get run over by a car. Or mm. maybe the closest memory for you uh, is... You, you know, having a breakup, something that, you know, equivalently the pain. So as I'm acting, I'm activating that sense memory in my head. Right. So I'm right. actually thinking about that. And what happens is, you know, I'm not like, okay, I'm going to cry now. I'm going to move my face. I'm going to contort it. I'm actually just activating the memory and then mm-hmm. realistically, honestly, just acting it out. Mm-hmm. So you can see it's not like, it's a very outside, uh, it's not an outside in approach, very inside out where I'm right. activating the memory and I'm going out there and uh, performing it. So I, I remember asking him like, wow, like uh, he, he, he said that the number one thing that's important for an actor is to really go out there and live. Like they, right. they said that one, of the, one, one advice by this famous acting teacher is like, go and build a boat. What he means <laughs> is to go out there and really live in the real world. So you have all these experiences in your head that you can activate and then it comes out realistically in your performance. So it's like the experience stack. Yes. Yeah, 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 tech. yeah, I'm going to use that from now on. Then I asked him, then I was like, holy shit, then what the fuck is in Christian Bale's? So they call it a pantry. Yeah. La. Like, you know, your pantry of yeah, experiences, yeah. So you pull out, okay, I got this spice, that spice. Right. So now I'm going to call it the experience tech. What the fuck is in Christian Bale's experience tech? <laughs> I, I don't even want to know, man. I'm scared yeah, to find out. What has guy been through, man? He shook the whole cupboard until everything came out. That's like, yeah, everything. He, he must have been through some dark shit, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. so, but, so that's uh, method acting. And so that also then, you know, like tells you, wow, okay, this is something that's interesting. And like now, I have an entirely different perspective on acting that I otherwise mm. wouldn't have had. And uh, I would still say that the value in it is not to think that, oh, you have to be so-and-so to go in. In fact, a lot of people in my semester that when I went in were largely introverted people. They mm. wanted to just, like you mentioned, YJ, to come out of their comfort zone. Mm. And uh, there was even one guy, he's a, was he an insurance guy? I think he's a financial planner. Okay. And he, and a typical Bing, no, like, <laughs> to the point that he's final, like, you know, at the end of the semester, you'll give a, like, an FYP kind of thing, right? <laughs> so you give a performance. Eventually, the teacher said, can you mix Mandarin with English because your acting comes off more naturally then. Right, right. He's right. very stilted when he spoke in English. I mean, okay. Singaporean like the rest of us, he can yeah. speak normal conversational English, but ultimately, because his grounding is in Mandarin, right. he's more comfortable there. Mm. Like, uh, he came out uh, naturally. So, like, so he's an insurance guy and with just this little 20% that he knows about acting, he's definitely going to transform his career in some way or mm. form, you know. That's an yep. interesting currency that I never knew that I should get. <laughs> I think I'm a, a bit interested now. <laughs> like what, what I would say an ideal is like just try anything that your gut feel leads you to because you will never know what it leads to, number one. Mm. Like you can only connect the dots in reverse. And mm. 
like it also breaks this habit of I only want to learn things if it's practical. Like if tomorrow right. you come and say that, hey, you know what? I have a gut feel that tells me I want to learn flower arrangement. Right. Go for it. Because maybe when you're there, the flower arrangement person will be like, man, I'm looking for a PR person. <laughs> right. You yeah, you can never yeah. know. Uh, and I shared this with YJ before that. Uh, this is one of my more favorite stories about. Uh, uh, this, I mean, you can call it a skill stack for sure. And it's like Steve Jobs. So mm. the example I always give that Steve Jobs dropped out of college. And uh, so he has time to kill and they, he went to audit classes. Uh, I mean, audit classes, just, I guess, like att- attending classes, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, so he continued auditing classes and then he wasn't learning anything to do with his course. He just stumbled onto a calligraphy class. Mm. Right. And he loved it. So the thing mm. is, if he didn't just stumble into this class randomly one day, the whole modern world would be different because Apple wouldn't have placed an emphasis on typefaces. Right. Oh. Right? On typography, typeface. So just because he had that in his skill set, this random thing that he walked around and he picked up, it completely changed the perspective of, you know, good design matters yeah. for Macs. Yeah. And mm. then now we are all using MacBooks and everything which <laughs> was built on those foundations. And- yeah. And for sure, I think it also comes with that when you learn a new skill, it unlocks the potential of your other skills as well. Oh yeah, so well, that, that is a very interesting idea. Yeah, sure. and I was thinking like when you um, learned, well, you were learning method acting, or when you finished learning it, do you come out of it, or do you realize at any point of in time that you were unlocking something else from your other skills? Did this were was method acting the key to unlock certain wow. potential or certain skills? I I would say so. Um, because like for example, now okay, if I were to do a public speech. I would incorporate these elements of method acting into it. Mm-hmm. Like as I go about and I do it, I'm more aware of like, okay, you know, if I'm, if I want to convey a certain emotion, I can activate yeah. it. If I go to an interview, the same principles where I activate a certain memory could mm-hmm. come in. If I want like the interviewer to empathize with me. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's that. But uh, there's one more thing that I would say that the most beneficial, right. Was method acting also allowed me to understand my own psychology. Because mm, yeah. there were moments where I'm like, wow, why is this so exhausting? Yeah. Because mm. you can take three hours to do like just five takes or something. And mm. then you realize, okay, there's a psychological barrier at times. Like they, they call it, where's the mouse hiding? Because mm. the number one thing that they teach you in method acting is to first learn how to completely relax your body. So it's a lot of right. relaxation exercise. Like, so you do your face, like you just... <laughs> do your, your cheek like that yeah. and really you know and then eventually you'll start yawning because then you realize there's so much tension stored in your body so right, right. like I would imagine that these would translate to anything like if I need to go for an interview and I don't want to feel nervous yeah. I would have to learn you know move my body around such that I relax it mm. completely yeah, that's, that's interesting that you say that because now I, I recall right going to my very first presentation for uh, it was this corporate client uh, and then uh, there was a board meeting and 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 sat there was you know all the 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 board of directors, and yeah. then I I told my boss I was like, I don't know what to do, <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm gonna freak out. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And he told me he told me this simple, uh, sentence. He said, just fake it till you make it. Just look at how I do it, <laughs> and then and then pretend that you have the similar skill set, and then keep doing this, keep practicing until you make it. 
so you keep right. faking it until you make it. And I, I, at first I thought it was a, hey, it's a bit, it's a bit pretentious, right? Don't you think? But then I, I realized, hey, actually it, it works, what? Because like you said, with your meta acting, you are, you are conveying a certain emotion. You are recalling a, a similar incident, yeah. and then you know conveying that. And exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was so so important. It re- made me recall that memory. Yeah. Wow. Actually, see, that's that's the thing. Like, even as I talk about it, I'm also learning more about my own, like the possibilities <laughs> of, of that. Like, yeah, actually, that's very true. Like, like I I I hadn't made that comparison yet because <laughs> I was thinking like, you know, about when when your boss said fake it till you make it. I was thinking like, you know, once again, a very Kobe Bryant kind of way. Right. Like when he goes into the court, in his mind, I've already won. You know, like he's, yeah. he's he's built himself up into that that kind of mindset, yeah. and uh, so yeah, I guess in a way you can call it fake it till you make it, lah. Because he goes in with absolute certainty, you know, that yeah. I've already won, mm-hmm. and wow, that's just a very interesting thing yeah, that he does. One thing I realized while we were having this conversation was that I think even the words or the ideas could be diff- could be skill like could be keys to unlocking different pathways to different skills as well like when you mentioned um, skill stack when you talked about different ideas I kind of it kind of resonated with me and my different memories and mm. I mm. would and I was thinking back on the different skills I had and how that related to what you were saying such as yeah. um, for example you were talking about um, Kobe Bryant using a different spot to improve himself like for example I always like to relate my work or the things I do in terms of how I challenge myself in terms of fitness or exercise. Right. So like recently, um, in June, we did this like a running challenge between ourselves as a group. Mm-hmm. So to run um, a certain amount of distance within the month. And my approach to it was to try and do it as often daily, every day. <laughs> so that was about 10km a day on average. <laughs> and I realized that is what, that kind of methodology also related to what we want to do for our podcast because we have a goal for this podcast which is to hit 100 episodes by the end of the year. Right. Okay, and cool. to do that, we had to do it. it. It sounds like a big goal, but to do that, we had to do it consistently. Consistently. And even that number of 300 km within a month sounded like a big goal. People were like, are you sure you can do it? Um, is this even possible like you 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 get injured things like that it, it will be the same as podcasting like right. people will question like will you like run out of content will you have anything to say but in the end like, if you we're kind gonna of suck for a while <laughs> I mean and like, it's gonna suck yes it is but the consistency I do believe is is the the key to it yeah and definitely like different especially with different ideas I, I'm just it was just interesting to see how different ideas kind of un- unlock certain ways of seeing different skills and different um, things I did. So I think even if people had a skill stack within themselves, I don't think, I think a lot of them are not exposed to the idea of a skill stack. And that's why they don't realize that they have this amount, this variety of skills which they can apply to one thing right. to make that thing better. Okay. So you know what? Let me, like, so I'll show you an example of one of the ideas where something I learned from finance mm. really applied to creative work since you mentioned a podcast mm. so imagine that you have a, a, a portfolio where you have like a million dollars inside right yeah. and over time maybe you're just betting on something that you know like you're buying a $50 lottery ticket right but yeah. if you do win the lottery you win $2 million mm. 
So how many lottery tickets could you buy over time? It's a million divided by 50. So that's what, like 220,000? Uh, <laughs> no, 20, Is it 20,000? So you can afford to fail 20,000 times, you know. Right. Or and, and or rather, you can afford to nineteen thousand nine hundred ninety nine times before you hit yeah. that one payoff, <laughs> right? And then that, that's likewise when I tell people about viral videos and all of that. When if you're a company and you're like, why aren't we having a success yet? Why aren't we having a success? It's going to be a big payoff. But what you need is a consistent bet. Like in every mm. bet you're losing, you know, because right. like okay, I haven't paid off yet. I'm losing a bit, a bit, a bit. But when you do big win, it's going to be huge. It's going to be more right. than all the effort put together. Yeah. So, like, like, likewise with this podcast, or like when you when you hit your hundredth podcast, or even before that, who knows? Like, what what opportunities were yeah were opened up for you by then? Hmm. Yeah, it might seem like a long period of sucking <laughs> before the payoff kicks in. Right? Yeah, the, the curve is definitely a lot um, gentler at the start. Like, it's going to be a very slow, a very small curve. And then you just shoot up once you hit that that point which I think we're definitely looking hoping towards to and working towards to what, what kind of people are you guys keen on having on board like your podcast um, I think from all walks of life as as varied as can be I feel so, I think yeah we've had yeah. a financial planner uh, next we're gonna get an influencer oh <laughs> and then after that we will try to get a ta- uh, a female tailor and then a director as well Oh, that's, that's very yeah, so, people. So it's like in, industries that we're interested in basically and then just try to get gather their insights. Yeah, so, yeah. But uh, for, for, for your particular podcast, right, because I'm interested, um, you, how, how, do you, how do you then, you know, incorporate all of this? Like, because you said that, you know, you have a graphic designer, then you yourself are creative strategies and things like that. How do you all combine your, your, your backgrounds, right, into, you know, some, a topic like cultural misappropriation, for example, you know, yeah. because I was looking through like it's it's subjects that really, you know, is quite uh, different from what what you guys are exposed to, right? Yeah. So I would say that even with these guys, um, like okay, so for example, when it comes to creative strategy, one mm. the, the key thing is alignment. So if you go to a startup and there's like five or ten stakeholders in the company, yeah. the number one thing is how do you make sure that everyone is on the same page when it comes to uh, the the content direction or the branding of the company? Right. So, in fact, like what me and YJ understand that personally because we've worked on projects where everyone has a different idea about what the project stands for. Mm. Yeah. And um, a lot of times companies don't pay enough attention to getting everyone on board in terms of alignment. Mm. It's, I would say it's not really like, oh, no, a, a, a team building exercise or anything. This is something very practical. So, mm. uh, in, the, in creative strategy, right, what we have is a phase called discovery. So, discovery is where I go, like, all these words and ideas and concepts you have in your head, I take it out, like, now it's a squiggly mess in your head, right? Yep. And I put it together in a very ordered, structured way, where I can pass it to a graphic designer to in- give you his interpretation of the information you provided. And right. it happens right. for every field of life, if you think about it. Because if you are a married couple right now, I can go to you, take all, you and your wife have so many different ideas. I'll sit down with you, extract it out and put it into a way that is clear and concise such that you look at it like, oh shit, that is exactly what we mean. And you will have something you can pass on to maybe an interior designer 
who will right, then right, right, decorate right. your home, right? Mm, so for example, mm. so what happens with teams is sometimes there's, there's a misalignment where they don't talk about what they want and uh, mm. like the ideas yeah, out there. So, yeah, so important. And they, don't feel, and they filter also. So yeah. where creative strategy comes in, there's also methodology. Some of it is like as a result of my skill stack, I've managed to put together really well. So if you notice behind me is a lot of post-its, right? That, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like the serial killer that. wall. Yeah. So like it constantly updates, it constantly changes. But the main thing is I use post-its, for example, in a lot of my work. So I'll give you an example of how I do it. Let's say there's how many people are involved in your channel right now? Three, right? Including Bin? Um four. Four. Four, four in total. So what I would do is I put the four of you together and I'll say something like, okay, um maybe before the, the session, I'll be like bring an object that you feel really represents the podcast just to prime everyone to set them into the tone. Right. So you bring it in. Once I worked with this guy who wanted to start up a tuition agency, you know what the object he brought in? His commando stiletto knife. The fuck? Right? Yes, and, yeah. and I was like, why? And then, eventually, no, then eventually the branding, we managed to distill it that he wanted something that was very tough, military inspired kind of boot camp training. Oh, for, right, right, right. And he wants to do sense. that for, for primary school kids <laughs> onwards. And I was like, great. As long as you know what the brand is. Uh, and he didn't have an idea of it until the end of the process, you know. So like, right. that's the thing. My job is to really extract all these ideas. So that's one. Another thing is, what I'll do is, maybe I'll get you, IJ, uh, Bin, and the, the fourth person in your team to come together and I'll say, here are all your post-its. I want you to write the five words that you feel describe this company. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll write this and the five words and then I'll kind of consolidate it and then we will see like other commonalities and we'll derive another five words like so you can basically describe your entire venture in five words and then mm. you'll be like wow shit that does describe what we want we do want to be uh, humanist because that's one of the companies that I did we do want right. to be sophisticated we do want to be uh, well-traveled things of that sort and then that will determine the content direction of your company right so it is to really bring alignment to get people's names on board. So that five words thing, right? No other creative strategies does. That's something that I've incorporated <laughs> from something I read in script writing. Because oh when sometimes they commission a script, they will, to make sure that the guy doesn't lose the plot, he yeah. says, uh, this story, these are five words you're using to describe this story. And I was like, okay, let me take a note of that. I'm going to use that for branding. Ah, I see, I see. Right? Yep. So, so that's the, the main thing I'll talk about is alignment. Like, as a team, do, does everyone have the same understanding of what the company or what the venture or what the podcast stands for? Right. So, then the second part is, I'll be honest and say that among my team, I haven't done that yet for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for various reasons, we just jumped into it. The, mm-hmm. the main thing is then, I would say is, uh, a lot of times when you're starting, you also want to become, like people get too focused on, oh, what, what is it about? Are we doing the right thing? When in yeah. fact, I think you guys are doing the great thing, which is just whack. You're not in a position to filter at the moment. So eventually, as you invite so many people, you will find out like, okay, this thing excites us more. This doesn't work as well. This is the direction you want to go to. Like the best role model, I would say, is like Joe Rogan. (laughs) Joe Rogan invites everyone. One minute minute is a mathematics professor. The next is a guy that doesn't even believe in the moon landing. (laughs) Joe Rogan doesn't believe in the moon landing. (laughs) So he he really... uh, and. And you know that he's just inviting people that he enjoys talking to. Yeah, right. So I think that's more important than trying to creative control at this moment. If, but if yeah. you guys are bringing in people you enjoy, it will go a long way. Isn't that like detrimental to your brand? Let's say, right, you, you fashion yourself as a journalist. 
but you keep adopting different stances according to your guests. Right. Right. Isn't that, you know, bad for your brand? Right. I would say that for most people to think about that, it's a bit premature because mm. let's be real. I I would say that if you're thinking about brand, but you haven't even crossed the, crossed the 50 listener mark. Right, 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 right. It's a bit premature. You can. Like I like I said, like where I, I someone like me will come in with the methodology to help right. bring alignment. Yeah. They give you the the building blocks or thinking about the brand. But yeah. I would also say that it's not the most necessary. You mm. you can just go out and uh you know break a few eggs. Uh, yeah. Right? Just just go and try out a few different things. Yeah, that was uh, that was our, our my biggest fear actually. Yeah. Uh, when when we were going through the we were recording this uh creative process that we did in one of the episodes, right? And then we would we weren't doing it so specific like you um you know the collect the five keywords thing, yeah. but we were going through our mission statement, our vision for the thing, yeah. and then when when we were going through recording that podcast, we we were thinking I was thinking um you know what what if you know people call us out and say that oh, you know you you don't adopt any sort of uh stand you don't you just um you know you don't have one identifiable thing about your brand. That right. was my biggest fear lah when I was thinking about it. Well, Nigel, in that case, right, this actually ties back to what YJ said earlier about this is a marathon. You know, you yeah. guys are aiming for hundred podcasts, and for yeah. it to work, it shouldn't feel like work. Uh, <laughs> it should feel kind of effortless and fun. So, mm. if tomorrow you you bring in an influencer, that's great. If the day after that you want to bring in, uh, I don't know, a, a male stripper or something, yeah. right? Because <laughs> yeah. it's funny, I would say go for it. Uh, yeah. And eventually, you guys will find your. Your voice, your tone, but the the thing that would derail it is if you feel the pressure. I would say just have yeah, fun yeah. first. Just have fun. Important sure. advice there. <laughs> like Some creative strategy. <laughs> yeah, like like people think too much about reach and then not enough about just making sure that it's an enjoyable process. Right. Yeah. Just if yeah. you like, then it's not a foreign thing because people like Gary V actually talk about it. So people think that Gary Vee says, "Oh, you must hustle, hustle, and all that, right?" Yeah. But uh, he actually has a much more subtle point, and he's saying that don't don't be Gary V just because you think it's cool. Like, mm. it, do what's true to you. So if you don't enjoy sales, you don't enjoy marketing, don't. But if mm. you enjoy like pottery, you enjoy sculpting, or you enjoy cooking, go do that instead. Right. But the point is to just do the thing that excites you the most. For him, it's sales. So he, that's why he keeps talking about it. But it says right. don't do it unless it absolutely excites you. Right. Yeah. Likewise yeah. with the podcast. For sure. For sure. I think I think that would be a good um topic for another episode, like doing things <laughs> that excite you and yeah. and also the fear of starting up. Because I it's yeah. definitely something we all have experienced before. Everyone has have experienced that that fear of starting out, and how mm. to actually overcome it. So it's definitely a topic for another time. Therefore. Yeah. yeah so um, Pravin um. Do you think there's any way for someone to actually build their skill stack? Like, what do you think is a good method to do that? Right. Okay. So, um, you mind if I use you guys as a as an example? Sure. sure. Right. Okay. So, uh, Nigel and YJ, uh, like, just off the top of your head, when I ask you, what would you describe your YouTube consumption history like? Like, what do you guys tend to watch? Like uh, reviews. Honestly, yes. if you're watching like K-pop videos, that's also a big clue. So comedian podcasts. That's all I watch. Comedian <laughs> podcasts. Okay, that's true. Yeah. Cool, cool. Okay, then uh, YJ, what about you? I've been watching tech reviews. Tech reviews. Yep. Okay, so what I would say is your consumption, right? Usually, is a very good reflection of what 
kind of psychological needs you're trying to satisfy in your life. Like there was a period of time where I just kept watching things on Netflix and YouTube, like The Punisher. I was obsessed with, <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh shit!" Like there's a very self-flagellation. Angry, yeah, like exactly right. It's like uh, a very aggressive, angry part of myself. And uh, then I was like, "Okay, maybe like if there was a gun handling course or something in Singapore, I should totally pick it up." Right. Right. Or <laughs> uh, like as a as a as a healthier, more productive outlet. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. likewise, I would say that if uh, Nigel, you're really keen on comedy and podcast. Like I bet there's something out there that will teach you comedy writing, and the way mm. the world works right now, you have it via Zoom. A guy in the states can conduct it for you, even if you can't find it in Singapore. But in yeah, Singapore, I'm pretty sure there's already places that can. Yeah, and it will be fun to you because you now get to see the craft. Right, and I understand so, how how they do it. Right. Yeah, and like uh, and also don't be afraid of, uh, you know, when you try it and you're like, eh, I'm not that into it because I was interested in comedy stuff. Mm. I went to Udemy. Someone mm-hmm. actually sold a stand-up comedy course on Udemy for like seventeen dollars or something. Okay. I bought it and I was like, "Wow, it's very interesting," but I didn't see it through. And I was right. like, "Okay, maybe initially I had some ideas that I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. Maybe, but I'm just more of a passive consumer, so mm-hmm. I, I didn't actually go too deep into it. And mm-hmm. like for YG, if it's tech reviews, I would say that since you're already a, uh, like you know you already have the podcast knowledge and all, I would say slide into one of the DMs and right. say, "Hey, uh." You know, I would love to get involved. Tell me if I can do some uh, work for you, right? And then right. you you get you know a part of the intimate part of the process. Mm-hmm. That's also a reflection of your own skill set yep. as a sound guy, as a video guy. Yep. Now you actually leveraged it into an opportunity to to do something fun. Yeah. So like there are a lot of graphic designers, for example, out there. I would say that uh, you know if a rapper or someone that you like or a musician comes up, just DM him and say, hey, dude, can I do some free work for you? Mm-hmm. In the end, you become like on a first name basis with your personal hero, you no? Know? Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, that's true. So I, I would say that your your consumption history on YouTube and the books you read, the things you do, but mostly since we are all on our phones now, the things yeah. we we consume that's the biggest clue. Right. And then start from there and like just think of what's fun at the moment. Don't think of uh, I want to learn Python, I want to learn coding, or like <laughs> if you know lah. I I yeah. tell you most people. <laughs> They're just doing it because they want. To the, you're the first yeah. person to say that. All my friends tell me, "Oh, go learn Python, go learn coding." Fuck. Yeah, but how many people you know like have actually excelled at it? It's fucking boring. Like, like, because okay, let me you touch your heart, lah. Like, you know that if you were into coding, right, you would have been that guy coding at 14 years old. Correct. Yeah. There are some guys who are just obsessed with it at 14 already, and yeah, if you're yeah. not that, you're not that, right? Yeah. So it's mostly about learning the fun stuff. Uh, right. like just trust your gut on that. Yeah. Actually, this this brings me to the next question, right? Because then then uh, is there still space for you know because we talk about generalists, right? Is there still yeah. space for people with specific skills? Then I you know? I would say that definitely is. So like uh, that, that's where the idea of complementary skills come in. So imagine if right. you're a lawyer. So that means yeah. when you go to university, right? There's only probably like four or five things that you absolutely need a degree for. Right, right, right. Maybe right. if you're a lawyer, doctor, engineer, I suppose, but Even that's a bit shaky. There's some companies you can go in as an apprentice and figure your way out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, uh, so lawyer, doctor, uh, even accountant and all, maybe lah. You know, whatever. Mm. But see, assuming that you're a lawyer, right? Yeah. Then there are a few things that you you learn outside your craft that will help you, for yeah. sure. Like if you Definitely. you learn how to be a better public speaker, you'll be a better lawyer. So, like in Singapore, the world public speaking champion. 
uh, was a lawyer from NUS. And then right. now he actually conducts one of the modules and he's a young guy, you know, I think he's around our age group. Oh, wow. Yeah. Darren something. Like, Let me see. Interesting. Yeah, but he's a, he was a Singapore public speaking champion like a few years ago. And he's still a practicing lawyer? Or? I think, and that's the probably the interesting thing that Darren Tay, uh, okay. he probably might have you know, ventured out of it because this gave him more opportunities yeah. and more money. You just, you just find something <laughs> yeah. that gives you more money. <laughs> so now he's in the law faculty as a teacher. You know? Oh, wow. <laughs> right. So that, that's pretty interesting. So uh, I do think this, that there is a room for specialization, but right. the difference between specialization and generalization isn't that clear. Like if I'm a... Uh, okay, so when I'm involved in film production they will say that the, the good directors, they don't just know one thing. They yeah. know everything. They know like, they know sound, they yeah. know coloring, they know lighting, they know, uh, you know, just cam- cinematography. Correct, yeah. They know uh, acting even, like maybe some of them. So someone told me that that's the reason why Steven Spielberg is so good because he really knows everything. Yeah. So would you call a film director a generalist Speci- or a specialist? Yeah. Yeah, Very hard true. to, that's to break that, mm. that, that thing. And then, um, let's say if you're an engineer, as you rise to the top, eventually you would need to wear a different hat where you're no longer an engineer. I'm a CEO of a company and mm. that's Bill Gates. Right. Yeah. right. So right. like the problem is when you don't, you can't transit out of it and then you're stuck in that one place and it's fine. Maybe some people, they, they really just want to be an engineer. That was Steve Wozniak, the tech yeah, guy right. in, in Apple. And he said, no, I just want to tinker around. I don't want to, rise up higher management and say, okay, you do what you love. Yeah. And so this is where like my experiences in Kwandu also helped me because one thing I learned there was the best chefs make the worst restaurant owners. Mm. What you rather have, right, is the Tauke who's yeah. setting up the restaurant and he brings in some Chinese chef from Hong Kong, <laughs> right? Because yeah, yeah. the chef may be too much of a purist where yeah. he doesn't know how to run the business. But that's a sad thing. Then they, you know, they, they, their dream is to run their own restaurant but when they finally get the chance, they run it to the ground. Yeah. So as a chef, it would have been helpful for him to just learn a bit of business management, these skills here and there. And that's true. Then he can like a Bill Gates from the tech guy transition to the, to the management guy. Mm. So yeah. that, that's, uh, that's what I'll say about when in a leadership position, you will tend to become a generalist. Lah. You will have mm. to be forced by necessity. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a, just a lot of intersection between every different every field that you know um, the intersection between being a generalist being a specialist even specialists I think they have different generalizations in their specific craft Mm -hmm. as well that they just have to learn how to use it in that way and yeah I think it's definitely something a lot of people should start embracing this Mm -hmm. whole idea of um, how to be a generalist the skill stack the multifaceted person I think this is where the future of being like the future of skills is headed. Right. Yep. There's something that I can add to that, like based on what Nigel said. But Nigel, do you want to ask something? No, 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 no. Go ahead. Because there was another podcast or rather uh, a vlog, I would say. It was called uh, Inconsiderate Questions. And it was run by a Singaporean NMP. Like or right. previously it was an M- NMP. I think he was, he was the head of MCYS perhaps. I'm not sure. Lah, but okay. He, uh, ex high ranking media guy and right. an MP, 
and he runs this question and he would invite a lot of like either local uh, politicians, local academics. Mm. And then he brought in this uh, professor of literature, but from SMU. Mm. Right. Okay. And they were like, so what's it like and all that. And he says that uh, he will still get phone calls from like uh, Goldman Sachs, all these big banks saying that they like Singaporean graduates until maybe the vice president level. Then beyond that, or before VP, like they can't transition above it. And he pointed it to them not being able to have a conversation or to talk about things apart from work. So mm. he spoke about how one Malaysian candidate won an interview. He's a Malaysian guy because they asked him a question about something and he said that, you know what, I, don't, I can't really talk to you about that, but I can talk to you what I'm really interested about which right. is the Malaysian Symphonic Orchestra. And he just started talking about the orchestra. <laughs> and then they found it so interesting and fascinating. They, sure. they eventually promoted him up to higher management. So this guy from SMU is saying that even in the corporate world, Singaporeans are stifled because beyond a certain level, they don't have exposure to other things. Right. And this is something, you know, talking to guys, foreign guys, foreign bankers, angmors or whatever, like that's when you need to have more in your plate to connect with them about. It's no longer just work already right. it's right. Uh, what else you are you're interesting about you yeah i think that's a good way to round it off yeah. Yeah. like knowing that a skill a specific skill can only take you so far and it takes more human skills it takes a more multifaceted range of skills to actually um, improve in life or learn different things and connect with other people yeah. so it's definitely i hope i hope those who are listening they understand what we're trying to say and they can and hope this will resonate with them and it will be something they will be able to use for themselves um pravin any last things you want to add uh i think mostly thanks for having me guys like i would love to have you guys on something else also yeah like, sure thing yeah please uh, check out pravin's podcast in yeah pravin where, where where can people find you so i we have a youtube channel uh, and the channel is visual in consideration, mm. right? And uh, we, I would say, just follow our Instagram page, visual in consideration. And from there, uh, you can find a lot of the, the links to our upcoming podcast. I just want right. to say, right, I, I'm looking at your uh, Instagram page now. Your yeah. your design is incredible, actually. Uh, right, that <laughs> my designer is he's really good. Uh, like, I, I give him props. He... <laughs> He he's uh, really quite a seasoned guy. He's a young yeah. guy also. He's like 30, 31 or thirty two this year. Oh. Right, and uh, he he he's got it. Like he's been working hard. <laughs> <laughs> nice, it's nice. really good. Nice. Thanks, so yeah, guys. Um, thanks, Pravin, for joining us. And thanks for and having me, man. For those listening, um, if you like this podcast, please if you like this episode. Please share with your friends on social media. You can look up um, Pravin and his podcast at Visual Inconsiderations. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.